Praise God. You're good. Appreciate that, Joey. All right. You guys can have a seat. Go ahead. That was like, that was actually like really impressive that you all stayed standing until I told you you could have a seat. That's good. Um, guys, my name is uh, Colin. I'm on staff here with Soul Company. And I just want to say one more time uh, as I get my timer started that I really, really loved hanging out with you guys at Fall Retreat. That was like, that was just good for my soul. Because um, really, guys, I want you, like I want you to know me. I don't, I don't want uh, to just be like someone that comes on the stage and then you guys leave and you guys know nothing about my life and I know nothing about your lives. So this past weekend was super fun because I got to know some of you guys, got to know some of your stories. Um, but not, I didn't have the opportunity to talk to all of you. And so if you've been to Soul Company a few times now, you've heard me from the stage, but I haven't actually had the opportunity to share much about my life. Um, and so I'm going to do that throughout the year, but want to start tonight uh, by telling you guys a little bit about my family. Um, so I, I have a family. I grew up uh, in the suburbs of Minnesota. I'm actually going to talk about my sister later tonight, but like my immediate family right now uh, is just one other person. Her name's Rachel. She's awesome. Uh, there, should, there should be a picture of Rachel. If not, that's fine. Rachel and I. Um, all right. No worries. No worries. No worries. No worries. No worries. Uh, we've been married for uh, about a year now, which is super fun. Yeah, she's, she's awesome. If you guys keep coming to Soul Company, you are bound to hear stories um, about Rachel because she just teaches me how to love and follow Jesus, and she's amazing. And so I love telling stories about her. Uh, but that's all for tonight. So I just wanted to introduce her to you. Uh, maybe, maybe, another, maybe another time there'll, there'll be a picture that I can throw up. Um, but speaking of relationships, that's what we're talking about. So we're starting this new series. We're calling it The Talk. And you guys are like, bro, you're saying we're talking about relationships and it says singleness up there. I am well aware that we're talking about relationships and it says singleness. But the series, we're talking about relationships, we're talking about singleness, we're talking about sex. We're going to do it. And Okay. Sure. All right. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure I'm going to recover from that. Just kidding. You, got, you guys are college students. You can get a laugh and then lock back in. But that was funny. I'll give it to you. That was good. That was really good. Um, all right. All right. But, guys, here's, here, here's the reality, is that we love to laugh about relationships. We love to talk about relationships, but oftentimes we don't love to go to the Bible to see what the Bible has to say about relationships. And what, one of my goals in this series, like our goals, I should say, of this series is that we want to help show you what the Bible says about relationships. And we also want to open the door for you guys to have conversations about relationships with our staff or with your connection group leader. Like, we would love to talk to you guys about your life. We don't just want to help you guys walk with Jesus like on Wednesday nights. We want to help you walk with Jesus in your entire life. And so know that you guys can come talk to us about those things. But like I said, 
We are talking about singleness tonight. And so I hope some of you are asking, like, bro, why did you show a picture of your wife and then talk about singleness? Like, are you just trying to flex on everyone when you talk about singleness? Uh, No, I genuinely wanted to introduce Rachel. Um, I genuinely wanted to, like, you guys to know about my life. But I also want to take this opportunity to, to talk against something that culture says. So here's something culture says, is that you need to claim... Um, an identity or a belief in order to speak about it. And here's what we believe at Salt Company is that's just not true. Like, I don't need to be single to talk about singleness. Because ultimately, you might hear tips and advice from me, but I want you to hear from God's word. And so we're going to open up God's word, and I hope that's where you learn about singleness from, is is I can teach on singleness because I'm going to open up God's word tonight. And so we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 7. So if you have a Bible, turn there. It's past the Gospels, past Romans. If you've gotten to Galatians and Ephesians, you've gone too far. Um, As you turn there, uh, this weekend, I'm I'm pretty pumped about this weekend. Rachel and I are heading to Des Moines. Uh, Rachel's from Des Moines, and we're celebrating her dad's birthday. And her dad's awesome. And I'm really pumped to celebrate his birthday because we're giving him just a sweet gift. Uh, And by we, I mean mostly, if not all, Rachel's mom is getting him a sweet gift, and we all get to be in on it, which is a family trip to Florida. Um, So I I guess I especially love the the gift because I get to enjoy the gift as well, right? Um, So as as I was thinking about how awesome this gift is, I thought about the contrast of that, which is a terrible gift. Have you guys ever, like, received just a terrible gift? So I, I remember uh, a couple, couple Christmases ago, my uncle, like, from the moment he walked in the door, was like, Colin, I have the best gift for you, bro. Like, he didn't say bro, but he was like, Colin, I got the best gift for you. Like, it's going to be amazing. We open gifts as a family after dinner. And so, like, all of dinner, he's like, you're going to love it. You're going to use it all the time. Like, I can't wait for you to open this gift. And I was like, the way you are talking about this, you better, I better open up a box that are keys to a brand new car because holy cow, you are like putting gas on the fire of this gift. I open up the gift and it's a screwdriver. <laughs> I'll give it to him. It was kind of a nice screwdriver, but it was a screwdriver, okay? That like, come on. Like, sure, may, that's a terrible gift, okay? That's just a bad gift. Um, but here's what's true is that many of you come in tonight thinking singleness is a screwdriver. A bad gift. Maybe a good gift for someone else, but a bad gift for me. But here is what I think we're going to see in God's word. If you humble yourself to sit under the teaching of God's word, here's what you might see is that singleness can actually be a trip to Florida. There are good things there are good things about singleness. Wow. I love, whoever said that, I just have to say, I love how confident you are about your singleness. And if you're not singleness, I'm glad you're like rooting for other people. Um, okay, guys, here, but some of you, here's my fear. Some of you, I like just lost you right there. Like no way singleness can be that good. And here's what I want to say. Give me a chance. Give me a chance. Give God's word a chance. And let's just see, let's just see what happens. Okay. So before we talk about 
how to enjoy singleness, how to use singleness for our joy and God's glory, we need to first define singleness. Because here's what's true. Some of you are in that awkward relationship phase where you're talking, you've been on a few dates, but am I still single? You know what I'm talking about? Like, am I single, am I not single? Kind of weird, right? Okay, hey, this is free. This is free. This has nothing to do with my sermon. I'm talking to dudes. I'm talking to dudes for just a second. No girl has ever broken up with a guy for being too clear about the relationship. So dudes, fight for clarity, okay? Um, Anyway, anyway, back on track, back on track. I maybe shouldn't have said that. I got to get you back. Okay. That's, that's funny, whatever. But here's what the Bible says about singleness. You are single if you are not married and abstaining from all sexual activity. Not married and abstaining from all sexual activity. And so from the marriage perspective, uh, yeah, cool. Um, from, from the marriage perspective, I could be wrong, and if I'm offending you, I'm sorry. I believe there are three of us in the room. Myself, Drake, and Nate, if I'm wrong, I apologize. But that means the rest of you are, by the Bible's definition, single. <laughs> um, I've never gotten so much feedback from my sermon on such random things. <laughs> you guys are fired up about singleness. Wow. Um, Okay, and then in terms of the abstaining from sexual activity, I'm going to leave that to next week. We're talking about sex. You guys got to come back. But here's what I will say. Here's what I will say. Is that if you are not married, sexual activity is not something the Lord has given to you yet. Okay? I'm going to leave it there and make Drake pick it up next week. Okay, so here's what I'm saying. is almost everyone in the room is biblically single. There are some of you in the room that are engaged. And like, I know marriage is on the horizon, but here's what I want to say, and I'm going to come back to, is that do not live in, in identity that the Lord has not given to you yet. Okay, so even if you're engaged, the Lord has not given you marriage yet, so do not live in that identity quite yet. And even if you were married, here's what I would say to you. First, this might be a little bit morbid, but there is a good chance that you will end up single at some point again in your life. There's a pretty good chance that you will end up single again in your life. And two, you will have friends that are single. And so listen so that you can help speak truth into their life in their singleness. Okay, so here's what the Bible says. Singleness is not being married and is having no sex. So the issue with singleness is that it's defined by what it does not offer and what it does not have. And that's how we think about it. Singleness doesn't give me this. Singleness doesn't have. Singleness doesn't offer. And that's the narrative we've been told is that singleness, how we think about singleness is we think about what it doesn't have and what it does not offer. And so we end up in this hole where we have to climb our way out of the hole of trying to find the good in singleness. But the issue is culture just continues to dig that hole deeper and deeper because every movie that you watched growing up reinforces this topic that you will be happy once you find happily ever after with that one person, not you can be satisfied in your singleness. Let me give you a few examples. Disney. Just, let's just talk about Disney for a second. Cinderella. I don't even have to give you the plot. All about finding love. Okay? Beauty and the Beast. The Beast is a good guy. He just needs to find his, like, 
princess or woman or whatever it is. Uh, Lion King. Guys, The Lion King would be a perfectly good movie about a father's love for his son, lions. Movie can't end. Got to find love in the end, right? Sleeping Beauty, another one that's like pretty obvious. Frozen. I mean, come on. Guys, a movie about two sisters that like love each other. How great of a movie they have to find love in the end. I mean, everything that you've watched growing up is the movie can't end until love has been found. You see, culture says that singleness is a waiting period. It's waiting for the story to begin. It's waiting for happily ever after to come. It's waiting to live out our dreams. That's what culture says singleness is, and I think a lot of us think of singleness a lot the same way. We view singleness as a thing that needs to be escaped. I just can't wait until I'm not single anymore. But that's not how the Bible talks about singleness. Here's how the Bible talks about singleness. 1 Corinthians 7, starting in verse 6. Now as a concession, not a command, I say this. I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. Okay, first we're going to address kind of the weird things that Paul says in verse 6, then we're going to keep going. Okay, verse 6, this is what Paul says. Now, as a, as a concession, not a command, I say this. Okay, he's saying that it is no different in the eyes of the Lord. Like, there's not one that's more holy to be single or to be married. Like, there's not a more spiritual option, but I think what a lot of people do with this verse is they say, well, Paul's just giving his, his opinion. And so when he's not giving his opinion, I'll listen, but when it's just his opinion, I'm good. I don't need to hear from Paul when it's just his opinion, but here's the reality, is that this opinion of Paul's is in the Bible. Paul probably had a lot of opinions that he didn't put in the Bible, but this opinion of Paul's is in the Bible, and what we believe at Salt Company is that God's voice is revealed in his word, and so the Spirit inspired Paul to write this and put it in the Bible. This is God's word, which means we cannot just push it off as though it has nothing to say to us right now. So we gotta, we gotta figure out what he means. Verse seven, Paul says this, I wish that I were, I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God. You see, he uses the word gift to describe singleness, a word that probably almost none of us in the room would use seriously. Like we might use it like to be hyper-spiritual, but I'm guessing most people in this room would not consider singleness a gift. Why? Because you think of singleness as lack, but Paul thinks of singleness as plenty. Man, there's so much goodness in singleness. I think for many of you, you end up, one of the ways you end up thinking singleness is like a lack of something is because you compare the highs of marriage to the lows of singleness, right? Like marriage, you can have sex, you can go home with that person, like you have one person that's going to be there for you every day. Man, singleness, it's lonely. I don't go home to anyone. I can't have sex. We're so quick to compare the highs of marriage with the lows of singleness, but God calls it a gift. Paul says there are preferable things in singleness. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna rifle through some of these preferable things about singleness. Okay, instead of my person, it can be my 
people, straight up, if you're single, you can be a better friend. It's just true. You can be a better friend. You can, like, go to your friends when they need you. You can, like, always be around your friends because you're not looking at someone else to see if you get permission, okay? So you can be a better friend, and you can have more friends. Again, it's just true. You have the ability to have more friends when you're single. Take it from a dude who's married. You can have more friends when you're single. I, I love the friends I have, but I, have, like, I was able to foster more relationships in my singleness than I, was, than I am able to do now that I'm married. Okay, this is what else Paul says, verse 32 of 1 Corinthians 7. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about the worldly things, how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. So here's what Paul's saying. Not that being married is bad, not that being married is ungodly, but in being married, you have more things to think about and more things to think about or more things to think about than just like, what's God's will for my life? How do I leverage my life for the gospel? How do I do kingdom work? You, you actually have to look at your spouse and be like, how can I love them? How can I care for them? And those are good and godly things. Don't hear me say that. But I think what Paul is trying to bring about is saying like, man, there's like actually a devotion that happens to the Lord that is able to be accessed in singleness, that is not able to be accessed in marriage. Let me give you an example of this. Okay, let's say I wanted to move to like do kingdom work. I'm not, I don't want to, I'm not going to, um, but let's say I wanted to. Like maybe I wanted to move overseas. Like I heard this announcement about going overseas, I want to move. I'm, I'm good, I'm, I'm going. Here's what's true about my situation right now, is I cannot just decide to go and start the process. I actually have to go home, I have to talk to Rachel, I have to say, hey Rachel, what do you think about this? Like, is this something God is calling us to? Is this something like, is this a way to care for you? Is this a way to nurture, like, the love that we have? But when you're single, that's like not an issue that you have. This is what Paul is saying, is that there's, there's a level of kingdom ambition that's, that's accessed in singleness, that's not accessed in marriage. And I, what I want to say is that loving my wife, and if you guys get married someday, like that is a good kingdom thing to do, but Paul is intentionally putting a contrast between the two. Lastly, how is singleness a gift? Is family. What? No. Marriage gives you a family. Okay, guys, the family of God is accessible to those of you who are single. Like, come to church on Sundays. You have a family there. And, and again, kind of back to the friend thing, you can participate more in the family of God when you do not have another family to, like, care for, okay? There's a level of things that are preferable in singleness. It's a gift. But even as I say that, I think you're in one of two boats. You either think you don't have the gift of singleness or you hate that you have the gift of singleness. And I just don't think that that's very good for you. So let me give you, I'm going to rapid fire through these, a few tips of how to view singleness as a gift. If you're taking notes, take, take some notes here, okay? I'm going, to, I'm going to go fast. Stop, four things to stop doing. One, stop feeding fantasy. You guys all, like, probably watch movies about love stories, watch TV shows with love stories in them, and you are feeding this fantasy that my happily ever after will come when I find the person of my dreams, so how to 
start viewing singleness as a gift is you have to stop feeding fantasy. What's the second thing you have to stop doing? Stop comparing your situation to someone else's. Like, I'm guessing some of you are like, oh, easy for the guy on the stage to say because he's got a ring on his finger and he's married. Like, even now, you're comparing where you are to where I am. That does not help you view singleness as a gift. Maybe you have to get off social media. Unpopular, maybe you have to do it. Because comparison will not bring you to the place where you think singleness is a gift. Third thing to stop doing. Stop finding easy exits. Some of you have that boy or that girl in your phone that when you get lonely at night, they're the person you text. And that easy exit will not let you view singleness as a gift. So here's what you got to do. Maybe it's an ex-boyfriend, ex-girlfriend. Here's what you do. Go in your phone contacts. Change their contact name to easy exit. <laughs> Save. Okay? Or maybe, maybe, you just, maybe you just have to delete it. But make that contact name easy exit. Okay? Fourth thing you got to stop doing. Fourth thing you got to stop doing. You got to stop talking about singleness negatively. The words that you use impact the beliefs that you have. So if you are always talking with your friends about how bad singleness is, how much it sucks to not have a boyfriend or girlfriend, how much it sucks to not be married, you are fostering in your heart the thinking that singleness is not a good gift of God's grace. We need to stop talking negatively about singleness. Something to start doing. Got to start creating rhythms of gratitude in your life. Okay, this is something I do. I'm not perfect at it. I try my best to do it, though. Every night before I go to bed, I think of three things I'm grateful for. Three things I'm grateful for from the past day. Because I, like in my heart, I want to be someone that is always fostering like a thankful heart. Because I think a thankful heart leads me away from comparison, leads me away from sin, and leads me towards the goodness that God has for me. Okay, we gotta foster gratitude. So how does, so here's what I wanna come back to, is that singleness is a gift. How does the Bible define gifting? We're going to talk about gifting. We got, or we're going to talk about singleness being a gift. We have to talk about gifting. Here's what the Bible says about gifting: is that gifting is a way to love and bless people. That's what a gift is. And it's no coincidence that God has given everyone, at least for a period of their life, the gift of singleness. God has allowed every person that's ever lived to leverage their singleness to love other people. But we often don't do that. Let's look again at 1 Corinthians 7, starting in verse 27. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. This is what I mean. Brothers, the appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none. And I'm skipping to verse 31. For the present form of this world is passing away. What is Paul saying? He's saying life is short and eternity's at stake. And eternity is way too important to get crowded and clouded by the worries of relationships when eternity is at stake. And so here's my question for you, Saul Company, is do you think more about eternity or more about relationships? Because I think there are a lot of you that are in a relationship and are so focused on that relationship, how to please your boyfriend, how to please your girlfriend, 
how to make sure you don't get broken up with, that you lose sight of eternity altogether. And I think some of you are so sad in your singleness and so wish your life was different that you have no thoughts of eternity because you're so consumed with your own thoughts. Here's what this might look like. Maybe you show up to Salt Company and you're more aware of what you're wearing than who you're going to worship. You want to make sure at Salt Company you're hanging out with the right people. I'm in the right crowd because I know if I'm in the right crowd, that one person will notice me. Or as I evaluate what social events to go to, I'm evaluating the social events based on what if the right prospect will be there. Like if the right prospect to be a boyfriend or girlfriend is there, then I'll show up to that social event. If not, I'm probably out. There are many more examples, but in all of these, we're thinking more about our relationships and ourselves than we are about how to leverage the gift of singleness to love other people. We're distracted by our lack of contentment. And here's the thing about being distracted by our lack of contentment is that when we look in to try to solve these questions, we never find the answers. No one has ever solved the big questions of God by looking at themselves for the answers. So this is a sermon for another day, but I want to really quickly talk about it because I think it will help you in your singleness, is this. Answering the question, what, what's God's purpose for my life? And we can apply it to singleness. What's God's purpose for my singleness? Here's what a lot of you do. I'm going to go quickly. Is you look in at yourself and you say, I'm unhappy and I want a significant other. You look out at other people and you project that everyone else in a relationship is happy or at least happier than you are. And I'm guessing that's not even true. You just want to see that. And finally, you look up at God and you say, God, if you wanted me to be happy, I'd have a boyfriend or girlfriend. You are fostering discontentment in your life. Here's how to actually find God's will for your life. Here's, instead of going in, out, up, we do the exact opposite. We go up, out, in. Let me give you an example. God, as I look at you, I see the goodness and graciousness and generosity that you have bestowed upon me. I'm so grateful for all the things that you've done. And as I look back and see how much you've done for my former sin, how, how will you not show me grace in the future? You believe Romans 8.32 when it says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? You look at God first. How, God, how will you not graciously give me all good things? Then you look out and you say, wow, God, you have given me this heart to be in a relationship and you have placed so many people around me that are able, that like I can pursue and be in relationship with, that can like help me live in community, that they, that that, like, your blessing in my life is manifested in people in front of me. Because you've been so generous. In Christ, you have given me all the things I need, which are right in front of me. And finally, you look in and you say, wow, my desire for community actually can be met because I know that God has supplied all my needs in Christ Jesus. That's what the Bible says. So when I look in at myself, it must be true that, God, you've given me a way to supply all my needs. And then we see all the people that have not heard of the good news of Jesus, and we say, how can I not share it with them? Because he's placed so many people in my life. 
We have to look up before we look in, but we're so quick to look in before we look up. So the question then becomes, how can I leverage my life, specifically my singleness, for others? Because God wanted, because if God wanted me in a relationship, I'd be in one. Like he's graciously given me all good things. So if there was a good thing in that, he would give it to me. It would be clear. And I know, here's what I will say. Sometimes, I'm saying it will be clear. Sometimes it's gray. And here's what I want to say, is if it's gray in your life right now, like should I be in this relationship or not? Should I pursue this guy or girl or not? Our staff wants to help you. But here's what I would say to you is start by looking up. Do not start by looking in. Because when you start by looking in, that will lead to disaster. So we need to learn how to apply this way of thinking to our singleness. Because here's what's true. Is that everyone in this room, everyone on the, in the world, knows that it's better to give than to receive. Right? We talked about gift giving. It's better to give a good gift than to receive a good gift. As, as good as receiving a good gift is, it's better to give one. So what if you focused less on how do I receive the goodness of singleness, rather how do I leverage the goodness of singleness for someone else? How do I actually give? How do I focus on giving? Because it can be hard to receive, but if we focus on giving, I think God has something for us in our, in our singleness. Because I think for many of us, we think God's holding back on us. We think God's holding back the good life from us. Like God, when, when God gives us a relationship, that's when the good life comes, or that's when I can pursue ministry, or that's when I can pursue the things that he has for me, maybe even obedience. Like, I will start being obedient when I get married. But this causes us to live in a fantasy world when the real world is in need of us. This causes us to live in a world that we've created in our mind without seeing the world that God has placed us in right now. So here's what I would say to you is start pursuing mission and start pursuing community. So here's an example of that. My sister, her name's Britta. Uh, when she looked in, she like, man, I like really want a relationship. I really want a husband. I want a family someday. Like genuinely just had a, has a huge desire to be a mom, which is so cool. It, it like, she just has like a sweet heart in that. And she just like wrestled with that for a long time. Like God, why have you not provided this for me? I, I so badly want this in my life. But when she looked up, she was like, God, you have been so generous to me, and I have received the good news. I, like, actually have the ability to open up my Bible and read it. And there are people in the world that don't have that ability because the Bible isn't in their area, isn't in their language. And so here's what she decided to do is that she was like, hey, I want a family, but I, when I look up, I know God has something for me in mission, so I'm going to go. I'm going to go because that's what God has for me. And so she has left. She uh, isn't in the country anymore. She's going to be trained to be a missionary with the hopes of going to a tribal community and translating the Bible into a language the Bible's never been translated into. Okay, here's what's what's cool about that, what makes the story even cooler. There have been two guys in her life that have, like, she's dated, she's brought them home, I've gotten to know them, and each of them have wanted to marry her. Genuinely. Like, I want to marry you. And my sister, they didn't like propose, but they were like pursuing that. My sister said, 
you know what? If you're not with me on my mission to pursue translating the Bible into different languages, then that's not what God has for me because this is. I know this is what God has for me. And he's not going to withhold good gifts from me. And so I know if I go and run on this, on the path that God has in front of me, which is to pursue missions, then God will graciously give me all my needs in Christ Jesus. And if that doesn't include a husband, then it doesn't include a husband. My sister's pretty awesome. So here's what I'm saying. It may not include moving. It may not include moving out of the country for you, but here's what it does include. It does include starting to be missional for you. So let me, again, here here are my tips. How to leverage your singleness for the gospel. I have two things to stop doing, two things to start doing. Two things to stop doing. Stop waiting to pursue ministry until you're married. Stop waiting to be obedient until you're married. Just start doing ministry, start being obedient. Two, this one might ruffle some feathers, but that's okay. Uh, Stop acting like you're married when you're not. Okay, if you're dating someone, stop acting like you're married by spending all your waking seconds with them, thinking about them, thinking about how to care for them, because that isn't what God has given you yet. It might be one day, it is not yet. And so find ways to leverage your still singleness for the gospel. Find people to invite into your life and, and love them. Okay, two things to start doing. One, I'm talking to like the single, single people in the room. Like the single, not dating people in the room. Okay, when your roommates who have boyfriends or girlfriends go out on date night, instead of being sad in your room playing video games or doing whatever you do, what if, okay, hold on, come, come back, come back, come back. What if you're just like, man, they're, they're going on a date, that's awesome for them. I'm just gonna find someone and choose to be really generous with them and love them really well. So I'm gonna invite them to my apartment, I'm gonna invite them to my dorm room and I'm just gonna like, I'm gonna cook for them or I'm gonna buy pizza for them if you don't cook or I'm just like gonna choose to invite them into my life and ask them two really good questions. Like, how's your week actually been and what's something God's been teaching you? Okay? Second thing to start doing, to leverage our singleness for the gospel We just need to start telling people about Jesus. Guys, I'm guessing last week, last Wednesday, Drake preached about mission, that it's like come and see and then go and tell. And I'm guessing what most of you did is, yeah, but someone else will do that. Like God has that for someone else, but he doesn't have that for me. Here's what I want to say to you. That's not true. God has that for you. God has equipped you to do that. If you know the good news of Jesus, you can share the good news of Jesus with someone. It doesn't have to be everyone. Find someone. Find someone and just share the good news of Jesus with them. Okay, here's, we're, we're gonna wrap up, La- last point. Some of you are like, but God, or but Colin. Hello. There's a, I'm struggling a little bit, it's okay. Um, but, but Colin, I feel like I was made for intimacy. Like I feel this longing in my soul for intimacy. Here's what I'd say. I'd say, let's look at Genesis 2 together. It says, Then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. And you're like, finally, Colin agrees with me tonight. And I'm like, I do. That is what the Bible says, that you are not meant, like the longing in your soul for intimacy is a good, right, and godly thing. Like we all want to be fully known and fully loved, and we think marriage is the answer to that. 
but I think we've actually gone about, about think, we've gone thinking about intimacy the wrong way, thinking that intimacy is a sexual experience or intimacy is romantic love. Like we, or that we somehow need that sexual intimacy to fulfill our longing for intimacy. And that's just not true. And we don't have to look that hard to figure it out. Guys, the person of Jesus was fully human. He experiences all the same things you do. Temptation, like emotion, longing for intimacy. And here's what's true is that he was sinless. But not just that he was, not that, just that he was like morally good, but he was sinless in that he lived the most satisfied life. Like he never thought, I lack anything. Including his longing for intimacy So how did Jesus fulfill his longing for intimacy? One of the ways he did it, and one of the ways you can do it, is called friendship. Like, I feel, I feel like a subtitle for this sermon could have been singleness and the importance of friendship. Because friendship is so awesome and so important, and in Christian community, which is where we are right now, we can begin to experience being fully known and fully loved. At Soul Company, we do connection groups. We talked about that in announcements tonight. And here's what we want connection groups to be. We want connection groups to be a family where you can be known and loved. Okay, some of you still aren't convinced. So uh, Sam Alberry, he's a a pastor, author. Uh, He's actually a, a man who has Uh, same-sex attraction and has chosen to live a life of singleness. And he wrote this book called Seven Myths About Singleness. And this book was so helpful for me as I was like prepping this sermon. If you're still struggling with singleness, I would commend that book to you. Seven Myths About Singleness by Sam Albury. But here's what he says in the book. This is about friendship. Our culture imagines that intimacy occurs only in the context of sexual attraction to show how little our culture actually understands and really experiences friendship. The Bible gives us a different perspective. Intimacy and sex, while often overlapping, are not identical, nor are they always concurrent. We can experience intimacy that is not a physical type of intimacy. We have misdefined the places where intimacy can be found. Let me prove this to you in the Bible. 2 Samuel 1. You don't have to turn there. It's going to be on the screen. So what it says, I'm distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant have you been to me. Your love to me was extraordinary, surpassing the love of a woman. Some of you are like, this is a little weird. But here's what I want to say about David, is that David had no lack of physical intimacy with women. The ones that are laughing know a little bit. Physical intimacy with women became David's ultimate downfall. He like, he commits adultery. So what's your Bible, what's King David actually saying is that there's a type of intimacy in friendship that can be experienced in a way that is so much different than sexual intimacy. And so my question is, do you view your friendships like this? Because I'm guessing most of you don't. And here's the problem with that, is that not thinking intimacy can be found in friendship means that you don't look for it in friendship when that's the very place that you can find it. 
Like you're like, oh, it can't be found in friendship, so I'm going to look in every other place when the place that it could be found is actually friendship. Here's what I mean. Imagine you live in the Marshall in Dinkytown, and your roommates are gone, and you don't have a car, and you don't have anything in the apartment for dinner, and you are like set on not going out to eat. I had to throw a lot of disclaimers in there, but it's fine. It'll work. Okay. You're, you're in your apartment in the Marshall. You have nothing to eat. You don't want to go out. You don't have a car. Like, Man, where should I get groceries? Some of you are like, bro, like the Dinkytown Target. Yeah, what if I believe that the Dinkytown Target did not have groceries? I was like, I will look and I will walk around Dinkytown and I will find groceries. I will not go into the Dinkytown Target. You're like, bro, that's the one place you can find groceries in Dinkytown, like walking distance. Okay, that's what we do with friendship. Is we say, intimacy can't be found there, so I'm going to look everywhere else. But if we looked to friendship and we actually believed that the, what the Bible says about friendship, I think we'd find something beautiful in friendship. And the intimacy our souls long for would be found there. So three tips to start pursuing friendship. Three tips to start pursuing, pursuing friendship is one, start moving towards it. Like some of you are like, I want good friends, but I'm waiting for someone else to pursue me. Here's what I'm saying. Like pursue them. Maybe you need to be the one that pursues them. Like you need to be the one that reaches out. You need to be the one that like is the one that creates initiative. Stop waiting for others to make the initiative. Two, tips for pursuing friendship. Regularly commit to celebrating with others. Like you guys are in college. Find really dumb things, get really pumped about them and celebrate with your friends. Like I talked to someone on the way in. You don't have any more midterms this week. Great. Tomorrow night, have like a good godly celebration of you not having any more midterms this week. Right? Like, let's just create places to celebrate. Because that's, like, friendships are made when memories are formed, and memories are formed when we do really fun things together. Three, third tip for pursuing friendship, confess the struggle. Because here's what's weird about being a Christian, is that we think that confessing struggle and opening up about our weakness will actually put our, push our friendships away, but when we are in Christ, confessing weakness, confessing sin is actually the thing that draws us near to other people. So maybe some of you, to, to like find friends, need to go to Connection Group this week and just start confessing your sin. Believing that that's actually something that will draw you near in relationship with others. Okay, I'm... I'm wrapping up here. It's all coming. Here's, here's my ultimate fear for you. Is you will look to a relationship to do for you what only God can do for you. You will look to a relationship thinking that it will satisfy you, that it will affirm that you belong, that it will give you meaning, that it will start the good life for you. When all those things are only found in the person of Christ Jesus. A relationship will not satisfy you. I want something so much better for you, Saul Company. I want something so much better for you. This is what Sam Alberry says. He says, if marriage shows us, shows us the shape of the gospel, singleness shows us its sufficiency. Jesus is enough for me in my singleness. I don't need someone to like make me satisfied because in Christ, I, am all, I find all the satisfaction my soul longs for. I want you to know that Jesus has done for you what no one else can do for you. That's to save you from your sin, to save you 
from your misery, to save you from your loneliness, to save you from your despair. And he's also saved you two things. Only Jesus can save you to an eternal family. Only Jesus can save you to ultimate intimacy and being fully known and fully loved. Only Jesus can save you to complete satisfaction. So I'm closing with this. I hear people in relationships all the time say these crazy things about their boyfriend or girlfriend that like they can't possibly live up to. So I'm going to say a few of them, but instead of saying them about Rachel or about one of your boyfriends or girlfriends, I'm going to say them to who it's truly about, and that is Jesus Christ, that he alone is the light of the world, that he alone is the one whom your world revolves around, that he alone is your savior, and that he alone is the one who has your life. We all long for these things. We all long for these things. Don't fool yourself by looking for them outside of the person of Jesus. Because here's what's true is that in heaven, it says there will be no, there will be no marriage. Because on earth, marriage is just a symbol of what is to come. And that is to be fully known and fully satisfied and have full purpose in perfect union, not with a spouse, but with Jesus. Because Jesus says, the church is my bride. I'm going to pursue her. I'm going to love her and know that that can be accessed to you when you put your faith in Jesus. Let's pray. God, thanks for the gift of singleness. Would you help us to, to view it as a gift? To view the goodness in it? To view the satisfaction that can be found in it? to see all the ways that you have been generous, gracious, and merciful to us. God, would you give courage to those who, who need to turn from ways they've looked for satisfaction in other places? Would you help us to repent, to turn from that and look to you? God, would you help us to see the beauty of singleness, that we can leverage our lives for the gospel of Jesus Christ in singleness, that we can know that we're fully satisfied in our singleness in Christ Jesus. God, would you do that? Praise in Jesus' name. Amen.